When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready, curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the restless ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And Caroline, neither you nor I are parents. But there was one time that I was on the verge, at least I was worried that I was on the verge of having to give at least part of the talk to a child. How did you find yourself in this situation? Well, it was all um, all due to an episode of Fear Factor, <laughs> which I was watching with my young nephews and niece. And uh, they had an eating challenge. Oh, and no. Oh, no. The, the contestant in question had to eat a plate of reindeer testicles. And the host is describing this reindeer testicle challenge. And my sweet... Well-meaning nephew turns to me and says, Aunt Kristen, what are testicles? <laughs> and as I looked around the room... And turned bright red, I'm tur- sure. Yes, I turned bright red, looking around the room, searching for how to say this. I was on the verge of saying, ask your mom when she gets home, uh, when my my oldest nephew, his older brother, pipes right in and very nonchalantly goes, oh, well, those are your balls. And the conversation was over. My my younger nephew was like, oh. You were saved. I was saved from having to explain what testicles do. Hmm. But something to a preview, though, if we are uh, ever find ourselves with children of what is coming down the line. Because this question of when to have the talk about sex and anatomy with kids comes directly from a listener who was in a quandary about when to talk to her daughter, what to talk about, how honest to be, how to frame sex. So I figured, well, the best thing that we can do is research it, right? Yeah. And kind of help parents, Mm -hmm. give them the little nudge that they need to be open and honest with their kids. Maybe call up my oldest nephew if we have any... (laughs) anatomical questions to ask him. <laughs> yeah, he can be our other source. Yes. Um, but a lot of these studies that we looked at about having the talk with your kids pointed out that a lot of parents aren't having them early enough 
And they're not necessarily covering all the bases, so to speak. Yes. In 2009, there was a widely publicized study that was published in the journal Pediatrics, which found that more than 40% of adolescents had already had intercourse before talking to their parents about safe sex, birth control, or STDs. So the big, uh, I guess, call from that study was make sure you're not doing it too late. A majority of parents had at some point sat their adolescent and teenage kids down to have the talk, but it seemed like it was a little too little too late. Yeah, they were a little bit behind the ball. The study found there was a lot of consistency in the areas of discussion and when they happened. And during adolescence pre-sexual stage, which includes hand-holding and kissing, the typical discussions that parents had with their kids focused on girls' bodies, menstruation, and sex within a relationship. In the pre, when, when the kids were in a precoital stage, which includes genital touching and oral sex, discussions with parents focused on decision making and STDs with some discussion of relationships and male development. Once the kids had already initiated intercourse, then the conversation shifted to STDs and pregnancy pe- uh, prevention and what to do if a partner refuses to use a condom. All of this is information that could have been uh, pretty well used before intercourse, probably. Yeah, and that that pattern was based on surveys with 141 parents of kids ages 13 to 17 that were taken at four different points over a year. And that issue of what to do if a partner refuses to use a condom is related to consent. And that's one thing that consistently doesn't come up so much in these parent talks about sex, which I can imagine is not an easy thing to do or a comfortable thing to do. Um, but one, one other finding about who gets to talk and when daughters based on this 2009 pediatric studies almost always get their sex education from their parents a little bit sooner, probably because of menstruation. Mm-hmm. The time is uh, ticking with menarche, <laughs> the onset of the first period. And um, with sons, about half of parents hadn't talked to their sons about how to use a condom or choosing birth control before their son had had intercourse. And um, with daughters, two-fifths had not discussed how to choose methods of birth control or what to do if a partner refused to wear a condom until after, again, after the daughter has already had Intercourse. So while parents might say, hey, sex exists. This is how it happens. Do you have any questions? Can this awkwardness end? (laughs) A lot of times those more granular and very important issues of birth control options and consent and how to put on condoms doesn't come up. Yeah, because a lot of times parents might think they've had the talk. They might say, like, don't have sex. Just wait until you're married or wait until you're older and ready without getting into those details that you're talking about. And someone who confirms this is Dr. Karen Soren, who's the director of adolescent medicine at New York Presbyterian Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital. She said that a lot of parents think that they've had this conversation with their kids. They say something awkward, everybody blushes, and they leave the room. But the kids tend not to remember that it happened. Or they think their parents were talking about something else. But, and this is because she says that parents sometimes say things more vaguely because they're uncomfortable and think they've addressed the issue, but the kids don't even hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. And not so surprisingly, research has also found that parents might be a little vague and sidestep a direct sex talk because 
it is, as we have said, it is uncomfortable. This is coming from a 2000 study sponsored by the Guttmacher Institute, which found that while parents believed that talking to their kids was important and could be effective, there were barriers to communication, specifically parents thinking that their kids are too young and not knowing how to talk about it. And I think that age issue is very pertinent because there's a connection in a lot of people's brains between talking about sex and sort of setting off some kind of Rube Goldberg machine that will lead to premarital sex down the road. Yeah, the fear that if I talk about sex at all, my kid is going to want to go do it immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of sex education experts will urge parents to begin talking to kids as young as possible, not so much about the mechanics of sex, but even, you know, when young children start to ask where if they see a pregnant woman, where the where babies come from, what that's all about. And you can start using more anatomical language, such as me not being scared to use the word testicle. 